Hello and welcome to the second part of our State of the Union podcast on Mavs Moneyball Radio. I'm your host, Jeffrey Huberstein. In part one, we heard about the rise of Luka Doncic, what's up with Kristaps Porzingis, and what the Mavs are doing to win games. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I'd recommend going back and checking it out. We've got a lot more for you on part two of the State of the Union podcast, so let's get underway now on Mavs Moneyball Radio. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Mavs Moneyball State of the Union podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Cooperstein, back here with Mavs Moneyball editor Kirk Henderson. You can find his work everywhere at MavsMoneyball.com and the Mavs Moneyball podcast network. Kirk, we wanted to get your take here on why you think the Mavs are struggling in the games they're losing and what they can do to try to win some more games down the stretch. I think we all have our theories on what's going on and and why they're why they're struggling to win these close games especially. So I'll just let you go off and just tell me what you think about why they're losing some of the games that they maybe shouldn't be losing. Well, the big picture take as to why they're they're losing some of these games that they haven't had a ton of roster consistency with the starting lineup. Their best lineup uh, was Dorian Finney-Smith, Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, Dwight Powell, uh, and that lineup only only played about 200 minutes before. Um, Powell, you know, is, is done for the season. So they're still kind of figuring out which pieces need to be there in the crunch time. And that leads directly to, to some of their issues in the crunch time, where uh, compared to seasons past, Luca in these limited, limited minutes is shooting something like 10% worse from the floor during the clutch. And the clutch is defined as, you know, last five minutes of the game if the score is within five points. And the Mavericks have really, really uh, borderline stank for such a good team in the clutch this year because their offense stalls out. They're unable to score points, which really doesn't jive at all with the the Maverick, you know, uh, offense we were talking about earlier. And that, you know, those two things right there are really what they need to solidify down the stretch. I think there's some, you know, there's some discussion and argument out there about how they, you know, could be better in rebounding and things like that, but that. Those, you know, suppositions don't really hold up to the data. It's just very, you know, situational where they've lost a couple of games because, you know, uh, people didn't secure rebounds, things like that. Do you think Luka Doncic is doing enough in clutch time to get this team over the over the line in some of these games? Because sometimes it seems like maybe he's being a little passive and trying to defer to teammates, especially in the last minute on these final possessions where he... he, he People know that they they want the ball in Luca's hands, and so they're being super aggressive on defense with him. And he's kind of almost forced to to pass it out to a Tim Hardaway or to a Seth Curry. You know, I don't I don't really think he needs to do more. I think the Mavericks need to find ways to get other people involved in ways that aren't just one person setting a pick. There needs to be more movement uh, against the Clippers the other evening. There was a number of interesting plays down the stretch where the Mavericks kept pace for most of it. Uh, In that clutch time, Luka scored uh, three baskets on five attempts and had a pair of free throws as well. He also missed two more, and he had a pair of assists. And so I think they have to figure out ways where if he is going to be involved in it, he doesn't necessarily pound the air out of the ball for, you know, know, 15 uh, seconds out of the possession. That's really what I'd like to see more of. And I think with... You know, his his favorite uh, pick-and-roll partner and Powell going down, they're going to have to get creative again. And so what kind what kind of things that would you like to see? I know you said more movement. Would, would you like to see some more, like, off-ball screens? Or, or what kind of stuff would you like to see that to free other guys up? 
I don't want Porzingis to be a stationary object all the time. His gravity is pretty important to this offense, despite the fact that he's not hitting. Uh, but I would really like to see him get involved in more of these pick and rolls. He runs far less compared to Maxi and, and uh, uh, Powell, but he's very good going downhill. I just think the Mavericks, uh, you know, today he, he's the numbers must show that he's, he's helping the offense much more being kind of a stationary object outside the three point arc. But when it comes to clutch time, you know, the, the old, you know, Jason Terry, Dirk Nowitzki, pick and roll, pick and pop, like that was bread and butter for the Mavericks. And I think the Mavericks need to go to that more often, particularly when the score is close. Obviously, I'm not like a licensed psychiatrist or anything, but do you think that when you're down the stretch, do you think it wears on these guys mentally that they haven't performed well in clutch situations? I don't remember what their exact record is now, but I think it's like 5-13 and 13 or something like that in, uh, in clutch time. Uh, do you do you think that it's it's somewhat of a mental thing that it's just a mental block that they haven't been able to get over yet? I do, and that's where earlier we've we've mentioned about the Mavericks being more than the sum of their parts. But this is clutch time is an instance where the lack of talent sort of stands out. Uh, as much as I love the players that are involved you look around and kind of wonder who else could make the big shot, which doesn't really feel right considering we've seen all of these guys hit big shots this year. I suppose there's just not enough name value with some of the Mavs roster, but it just feels like they're missing that other like true shot maker, uh, you know, past Luca and then Tim Hardaway. A name I've heard that people, people are talking about who would they would like to see on the Mavericks is a guy like Jamal Crawford who, is older, but he he's a proven fourth quarter killer and might be able to help with one of those clutch things. Do you think a guy like Jamal Crawford would would help the Mavericks win a few more of these games? I don't really think so. Just he, he you know, like Jade Brand, like Luka Doncic to to a big extent. Those are guys who look for their own shots, and I don't necessarily think Dallas needs more of that. They need more guys who can do things without the ball. And, and not necessarily just stand there. Some of that is the Mavericks' you know, offensive design where you want to spread the floor as much as possible. But they have enough creative cutters on this team, you know, whether it's Maxi, whether it, it's Dorian Finney-Smith is quite excellent moving without the ball. I'd just like to see a little more of that in, in these late-game offensive situations. I don't really understand what's different about it unless they're trying to milk the clock. Because if you have this incredible third-quarter offense, why can't you just have an incredible fourth-quarter offense? So I do think there's something to your assertion that there's a little something mental going on over the course of, of you know, 40-something games. All right, Kirk. Well, as the season ends, we have 39 games left. As I was about to say as the season ends, but it's just barely halfway through. Uh, do you think the Mavs will eventually figure out this issue they're having or will it kind of be more of the same the rest of the season and it'll take a full off season to to sort of figure it out and, and get it right i do think it might be a full you know i think it's going to be something that hangs around if even if the numbers start to improve when you only have 39 games and the mavericks have such an incredible point differential they have a point differential right now of a 32 win team not a 27 win team so I, I certainly think at some point, the, even if things start to turn, the narrative is going to stick around. And that narrative has a way of catching up to teams at the worst possible moment. So I have a feeling it's just going to be something that hangs out the rest of the season. 
All right, Kirk, thanks so much for your time. Welcome back, everybody. This is the State of the Union Mavs Moneyball Podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Cooperstein, alongside Doyle Raider of MavsMoneyball.com. And Doyle, another thing I wanted to get to is everyone talks always about the stars and Luca and Kristaps Porzingis, but I think what really makes this Mavericks team tick is the role players. Uh, so what what are you seeing from, from the guys who are su- supporting the stars and, and really elevating the Mavericks team to a playoff contender this season? It's it's been really special to watch like all these other guys Cause, like coming into the season. I don't think many you know observer close observers of this team really knew what we were getting with in terms of the other starters and then like some of the bench guys that made that were going to play like significant roles. And what we've seen so far is guys step their games up and really carry this team. I the bench unit has been incredible, and then you know. As, as Rick Carlisle tinkered around with his starting rotation uh, for the first few weeks of the season, we saw, you know, some players move from the bench in, into starting roles and then, you know, thrive. You know, like I think of uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. being, you know, the main example of that. He has absolutely thrived. And he was going to be a bench guy. He was going to be like the sixth man. That's the conversation that uh, I believe Carlisle said he'd had with him. And, and, you know, Tim's uh, said that as well in uh, post-game interviews in the locker room. But, uh, you know, like he said on uh, Media Day, he wanted to be like the Finley of this team, essentially. And, honestly, he's been just that as a starter. And so that's that's been remarkable to see just that progression from someone who is, you know, an NBA player but might have not been as, like, clutch and his lights out and you know living up to the potential that he had uh previously that he is that we're seeing from him now and it's that it's been great i i think when when his season turned around was when he was inserted into the starting lineup when seth curry got hurt i think that's when he really started playing well and that's when he really started gelling with the with the starting unit and the mavs offense went from a really good level to a ridiculously high level Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it was like night and day. Like just his production when he moved into the starting lineup. It was. I mean, I I don't think I've ever seen anything just quite like that. It was it. It shocked me. It absolutely shocked me because he was he was hit or miss off the bench, and then boom, starter. Like and you know, they never looked the other way after that. And then another guy I wanted to get to, this might be Rick Carlisle's favorite player on the Mavericks, and that's Dorian Finney-Smith, the 3 and D guy who the Mavericks have been missing for the last decade, it seems. He just, he fits the role so perfectly and just, he, he fits so well in the offense. It's like, you can never take him off the floor, and it, he plays, he's he's up there in minutes at every game. He's almost playing the most minutes every game. So where, where do you think from him, and why does he work so well with this team? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, Rick... Rick says he would go what top fifteen if they redrafted that class yeah, again yep. or something like that, and and that's and like you were saying, I think one of the things that has endeared him to not just Rick but all the rest of the coaches and his teammates, man, he he just goes out there and he can play the whole game. He absolutely could, and he's guarding most of the time. He's guarding the other team's best or second best player the whole time. He's on the floor. I've even seen him guard centers before, which, you know, doesn't always work out best because he is a 
you know, he's only six seven and about two hundred something. He's not a big bruiser, but yeah, he's just he's just really found his role. And like I know for a long time, because I've you know I've covered him since he's been here, and I've talked to him a bunch about his shooting and been out at summer league with him. And his shot has really turned around this year. It's not anywhere near the streaky level that it has been in years past. And I think that's because he's really playing within himself more and more. Like, if his, if his shot isn't there from the corners, you know, he just drives baseline to try and get to the rim. And I think with his game being, like, as simplified as it is, it makes, you know, everything easier for his teammates as well. And, you know, he... He's found his role within the system, and you know, honestly, that that works out for him, and that's why he's doing well here. I I know, dating back to last week, Finney Smith was, I believe, he was fourth in the NBA in uh, in corner three point shooting percentage, and that's something that's just so valuable to the Mavericks because of the way Luca plays. And when when somebody it was Dwight Powell, but now that he's hurt, it'll be someone else. When someone comes sets a screen for Doncic, he. He takes he takes it off the dribble and then he likes to find those guys in the corners and it seems like Finney Smith is just always open on one side or the other and I think that's just that's a really valuable asset that the Mavs have. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's crazy that you know I think perhaps it was because of his numbers in previous years that teams are you know swagging off of him. Also, they're kind of trying to prevent drives in the paint. I understand that, but at this point, you really can't leave him open. I know a lot of people were clamoring for. The Mavericks will get a veteran 3 and D guy over the summer, like a Danny Green or something. But I think Finney Smith is, you know, maybe a better option. He's younger, and he's not as streaky as, like, a Danny Green is. So, like, I mean, he's got the nickname Icy Hot San Antonio for a reason. And if you ever watch him play with the Lakers, he might hit some shots. He might not. I mean, so at least, at least Dorian's found some consistency this year. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to drop, like, 20 points on it. On, on you know, once a week, but you know he's just serviceable for like eight to twelve, and that's that's that speaks volumes. Honestly, that helps. And then, and then the last guy I wanted to get to might be the second best player in history from Wurzburg, West Germany. Uh, that's Maxi Kleba. He's been a really valuable asset to the Mavs big man group this season. Being able and his three has also gotten a lot more consistent. But I think what really helps is his defense and shot blocking ability because it gives Porzingis the ability to rest a little bit more and hopefully when he's when everyone's healthy they can maybe even play together and create kind of a defensive a, a really good defensive uh front court oh yeah i absolutely agree um i think that uh maxi is probably the team's second best defender just in general it's either him or finney smith are are the the most reliable consistent defenders i mean Maxi, just like Dorian, goes out there and guards, you know, the other players or the other team's best player. Like, he was on Kawhi Leonard the other night when the Mavericks were playing the Clippers. That you don't see that from, like, a power forward center, but Maxi's a bit different. You know, he's like a 6'10 mobile, you know, perimeter-oriented guy that can also, you know, block you in the paint. Like, I don't think a lot of people come into paint to challenge him anymore because they know that He's just going to stonewall him. He kind of has that verticality like Roy Hibbert did back in uh, the Pacers' days. And then, like you said, his three is greatly improved. I mean, put him in the corners. Like, this team just stretches you out like crazy. And 
that's a valuable asset. And now, you know, I'm assuming Maxie's going to get moved into the starting lineup, and I think this team could be really good, you know, with him there. I know missing Powell is, means a lot, but I think Maxie adds a few extra, you know, elements uh, to the floor when he's out there, like, like his defense, like his rebounding, that, you know, they might have not seen otherwise. All right, Doyle. Well, thanks so much, and hope to read some stuff for the remainder of the season, and I'm sure you will have that quality content. I will, I will do my best. I, I give you my word. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the State of the Union Mavs Moneyball Podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Cooperstein, joined by one of the many editors, as he self-proclaims, at MavsMoneyball.com, Josh Bow. Josh, how are you doing this fine evening? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. So we're just we're taking a look at the Mavs 43 games into the season and just seeing where they're at, what's going to happen in the future, what happened in the past, and how everything ties in together. So I just wanted to get your take on what you think is going to happen this second half of the season after the devastating loss of Dwight Powell and and just seeing the the schedule and everything involved. So where where do you think they're going in this second half? Well, before uh, last night, with the return of Christoph Porzingis, I would have told you a completely different uh, story. I would have assumed the Mavericks would get to kind of pick up where they left off when, before uh, KP got hurt, because I think right around when Luka got hurt and then KP got hurt, they had finally kind of figured out their starting lineup with Tim Hardaway Jr. and Dorian Finney-Smith uh, and Dwight Powell uh, next to, to KP and Luka, and that lineup was really singing. I mean, the Mavericks were just knocking the doors off of teams before uh, Luca got hurt and then Kristaps got hurt. And that lineup really hasn't been able to play much since. And now with Dwight Powell out for the season with the really devastating Achilles injury, we're not going to see it for the remainder of the season. So I think the biggest thing to look for this season and expectation-wise is how are the Mavericks going to reshuffle their rotation, reshuffle their lineups, after really they spent a good portion of the first half of the season trying to find that identity and they found it and it didn't last very long. So now, you know, what's it going to be like for the remainder of the season? Is it going to be sliding in Maxi Kleba in the pal spot? Is it giving Boban more minutes to, to make up the gap up front? Is it going small a little bit? You know, they started JJ brand the second half of that Clippers loss on Tuesday. Is it, do, do they start small? Do they, Try Justin Jackson and Finney Smith as the two forwards with KP as the lone big. Um, so I think that's going to be really the most interesting part of the second half of the season. I think regardless, I think the Mavericks are going to, to still win games. I think there's, you know, obviously they're still going to make the playoffs barring something completely catastrophic, but um, you know, now it's just a sense of how far in the standings can they climb. And I think a lot of that depends on, how quickly are they going to mesh with a new lineup with Powell out? Because I really thought they had found something before he got hurt and before all the injuries started to crop up. So uh, I'll be very curious to see how the Mavericks recover, whether that's internally with some lineup changes or if they do decide to make a trade or, you know, clear a roster spot and bring someone in. So do, do you foresee the Mavericks going external and get and? adding another big because I think that's almost imperative at this point is that that's something they have to do before the deadline, whether it's via trade or however they acquire a big man. I think they have to get someone in there just to have another body to be able to, to eat some minutes and hopefully it's another productive body, but I think they, they have to go out and get somebody. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, 
my preference would be for them to do something really low key. Uh, you know, obviously we we see the fans, you know, then we we see the trade machine ideas floating around, and there's Andre Drummond and Tristan Thompson, and you know, uh, even thinking about going to the Kings and Dwayne Dedman uh, and maybe Gorgie Jang in, in Minnesota. You know, I don't know how comfortable I feel with the Mavericks trading for a big that has multiple years left on his deal and at a, you know, a decent size number uh, because really, you know, I, I said this earlier today on Twitter, but it's, you know, I know Dwight Powell had a serious injury, but he didn't, he didn't die. Like Dwight Powell's going to come back. Like I, how effective he is will remain to be seen, but you know, he's going to rehab like a madman because he's a really hard worker. He will be back next season. And if you trade for, if the Mavericks decide to trade for a big that uh, has a multi, you know, multiple years left on his deal, you know, kind of a bigger name with a bigger contract. I mean, you're coming into training camp next season with basically five bigs on multi-year deals, eating up your cap, eating up roster space, uh, which I don't think is ideal. You know, it, it would be Dwight, Maxi, Kristaps, Boban, and then whoever the fifth big they they splurge on. So I don't think they need to splurge and, and try to replace Pal that way. I'd rather them do something a little more low key, whether that's going in the G League, uh, looking overseas, which I think you know ESPN's Tim McMahon uh, reported earlier today. You know that would be kind of my preference because really they they just need a body to fill some minutes. Uh, to close out the season. And and this kind of segues into another point. Like, this is kind of why I wasn't a huge fan of the Boban signing. As as much as we all love Boban, you know, he's just not a guy that can play more than 15 to 20 minutes a night consistently. Um, he's really a spot guy that you can play for 10, 12 minutes, maybe 16, you know, maybe 20. But he's not a guy that can play 25 minutes a night. Uh, and it, it's just, and you know, it's, I know you, everyone would love to just plug him in and, and, and give him his low minute production and expand it over a bigger role. But he's, he's like seven, four, you know, two eighty. like the human body just has limits and he just, he cannot physically play more than he's been playing right now. Uh, uh, so, so- Another thing you referenced, so you referenced Tim McMahon. He also reported that the Mavericks were in contact with Joe Kim Noah's representatives. I'm not sure how I feel about that. You probably have a better better idea of how he would fit or lack thereof with the Mavericks. So what what would you think of Joe Kim Noah joining the Mavs for the remainder of the year? I don't know. I, I don't know what he has left in the tank. I know he, you know, he kind of made a little bit of a comeback with Memphis and, and played and played okay. But, you know, he's got so much injury history and, you know, he's got so much mileage on him. And and I don't even know if he's someone, you know, that could be reliable because the Mavericks could very well bring him in. And then a week in, he's already missing games. And then it's like, you know, I I just don't know if that's the best use of uh, resources right now. I think, you know, I think everything I've read and everyone will tell you that that has, you know, been near Noah will say he'll be, awesome for practices. He'll be awesome for the locker room. He'll be awesome for the chemistry. And, you know, that could help. You know, the Mavericks could maybe use another veteran voice in the locker room besides J.J. Barea, because this is really still a young team that's learning how to win and, and learning how to be a playoff team. So I wouldn't mind it on that end. But I'm just I – don't, I don't think you can rely on him giving them the consistent minutes that they kind of need to fill the, the pal hole. Like, I, I just don't really see it. I, I think I'd rather them go in another direction, you know, maybe G League overseas or – 
or make a lower stakes trade like Orlando's uh, big man off the bench, Birch. Uh, I think he could give them something. Um, but that like that kind of level of move is what I'm looking at. I don't I don't know if you know. I think just Noah's injury history just scares me because I'm just worried that the Mavericks would clear a roster spot for him, bring him in, and then within a week or two, he's already, you know, missing games or something. And if they just they, they can't have that right now. Absolutely. So, as we said earlier, 39 games left in the season, Josh. What what are you looking forward to most about this second half? Uh, I'm just looking for, you know, it's the Mavericks said some crappy years the last three years. I'm just looking forward to the team continuing to win and, and fight for a playoff spot. I'm looking forward to, to meaningful March and April basketball for the first time since 2016. Uh, that's not a long time. You know, Mavs fans are pretty spoiled in that regard. Uh, we're spoiled watching this team. Like, rebuilds normally take longer than this. You know, it's very rare to see in, in two or three years without a big, giant free agent signing for, for a team to turn around this quickly. And, you know, it's either a big free agent signing or you, you strike gold in the draft, and that's what the Mavs did with Luka. So that's the part that I'm looking forward to the most, like seeing them play meaningful games in March, trying to battle for maybe home court or, or, or a higher seed. Like that's exciting. Like it's going to, it's going to be cool to see important basketball down the stretch instead of what we'd seen the last three years, which is, you know, almost hoping the Mavericks could lose as many games as possible. Like it's just, it's pretty remarkable that we're already out, out of that period of Mavericks basketball right now. Like it's just the, just the way Luca has changed the trajectory of this franchise is just, it's just wild. And, and no one should really take it for granted as we're watching this team down the stretch. So that will do it for your State of the Union Mavs Moneyball podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Cooperstein. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find this podcast wherever you like to listen to your favorite podcast, whether that's Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. You can find that anywhere. You can find all our great work on MavsMoneyball.com. You can see Doyle's. You can see Josh's and Kirk's fantastic articles on everything Mavericks and you can follow us on Twitter at Mavs Moneyball so stay tuned for the latest that will do it I've been your host Jeffrey Huberstein we will see you soon with another episode on Mavs Moneyball Radio